everyone, this episode is a recast of my Get Your Head in the Game mini-series from January, in case you missed it or you fancy a mid-year refresh. Over five bite-sized episodes, I help you recenter and refocus your money goals and habits, ready to take on the second half of this year. Enjoy! You are listening to the Broke Generation podcast, the podcast that helps you feel better about money so you can be better with money. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording and you are listening to this podcast today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This is the Get Your Head in the Game miniseries, lovingly sponsored by my friends at Pocketsmith. Stay tuned in each episode each day this week for a hot money management tip and a special offer for the Broke Generation listeners. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Broke Generation podcast and welcome to the final episode in the Get Your Head in the Game mini-series. I hope you have enjoyed having me in your ear holes for the last five days of daily episodes or maybe you've binged them all at once. We love to see it. And don't forget you can come back to these anytime you need a money mindset refresh. I have designed it that way. (laughs) If you have enjoyed the series, I would love, love, love if you left a review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find the show or or share it with someone that you think could use a money power up or a financial reset as well. This final episode I have designed to be super practical and action based so that you can combine all the mindset stuff we've talked about in episodes one to four and close it out with 10 solid tips and hacks that you can start implementing right now. So some you might already be doing, some might be new to you, and some of them might be things that you've learned in the past and you need that like little kick up the butt to get back into. So let's dive straight into it. Number one is diarize all your bills and expenses. I know I sound like a broken record going on about bills and expenses, but trust me, it is one of the best things you can do for your money and your mindset. So whether you are a manual, handwritten journal type of person, or if you're like me and you are in a committed monogamous relationship with your Google calendar or other digital calendar of your choice, start inputting the dates that payments are due and have them, you know, repeat on the right, on the right frequency. I have a Google calendar for personal and for business. And in both of them, I have the date that certain payments need to be made. Now, generally, I pay my bills as one lump sum from my pay, as you'll know if you listen to episode four of the Get Your Head in the Game miniseries and head to that episode if you haven't listened to it for info on what I mean and how to do that. So the reminders aren't necessarily for me to actually pay them, but it more keeps me on top of making sure that my bills account is topped up appropriately. It's also worth diarising anything else that might cost you money. So a weekend away, a friend's hen party, birthdays, events, that sort of thing. Then you can sort of ritualise checking your calendar for what's coming up this month and and keep on top of your outgoing so you're never blindsided by poor planning. Now, I bet a lot of you are probably putting in events into your calendar anyway, just as standard. Just get into the habit, if nothing else, of assigning an estimated dollar value to each of those. Because then when you're going to check your calendar to see, you know, what time did we book dinner for? It will just remind you that you need to allocate for something. And it just sort of like gives you a bit of a reminder to be a little bit more proactive. Again, as I always say, the same outcome. So being $100 down because of dinner or whatever is the exact same outcome 
no matter whether we think about it positively or negatively. So I don't know about you, but I would always opt for positively where possible. (laughs) Now, tip number two relates to exactly that. Start having a regular money review. And by this, I mean, check your accounts regularly, look at your transactions, see what's been spent and where, and identify areas that you could be leaking money. Because leaking money, so sort of spending money without really realising it or spending more money than we think we are in certain areas can be one of the biggest contributors to financial sabotage. So how in-depth your money reviews go are really up to you. I personally fluctuate in how in-depth I go. Sometimes they go as far as sitting down and like reviewing all my transactions by categorising how necessary they were, ranking them against a joy scale or how well they align with my values, see how I can enjoy much more mileage out of my spending. Other times I simply log in and make sure that everything is in order and do a quick sweep for unexpected transactions and ensuring any refunds that I'm expecting are back in my account. So you can do this as often as you like, weekly, fortnightly, monthly, quarterly, whatever works for you, but just get into the habit of engaging with your broader financial circumstances regularly, rather than just looking at the balance of your everyday spending. So look at what's in your savings. Has that grown? Has that gone down? Have you pulled from it for the same things over and over again? Could you be better managing things? I think there's sort of this misconception that once you come up with a budget or a spending plan, you have to stick to it exactly and sort of think, well, you know, I just need to spend less there. But if it's something that's happening regularly, can you build it into your budget a little bit better so that you're not finding yourself pulling from from unexpected savings or whatever? Tip number three is roll together your regular discretionaries into bill style allocations so that there is always room for them. So a bit like paying an allocation from each pay towards all your bills, which we talked about in episode four of this mini series, you can also roll together certain discretionary spending. And by discretionary, I mean non-essential. So you can roll them together to make sure you're always making space for them. So it could be a coffee budget or a wine budget or a weekly Sunday brunch, work out how much you would need to cover a few of those small personal luxuries and pay an allocation from every payday to cover these first up. So treating them with the same respect that you do your rent. As you probably notice, this is a theme that comes up very often. Treat your own joy and your own experience in this world with as much respect as you treat your landlord's due date every month. Tip number four is name your savings accounts by goals or open new ones if you haven't already. So in episode three, we talked about the power of visualization and knowing what you are working towards when it comes to habit change. So name your savings accounts with words or goals that you connect to. And that can be, you know, as, as detailed or as broad as you like. It might just be sort of like a if you have a word of the year, you could even call it that one if it's a really top level sort of vision. But some people have a fuck it fund for times that you just want to say fuck it and do something or go somewhere or get away from something. Some people have have a get out fund or a quit my job fund. You might have a financial freedom fund or a luxury life fund or a, I don't know, business class ticket fund if that floats your boat or a moving out of home fund. Something that makes you want to keep going. So either open new accounts or name ones that you've already got. But as the research always says, goals that are written down are far more likely to be achieved. So naming your accounts prompts you to engage with that goal or that vision or idea reality a lot more often. And that keeps you on track. Tip number five is allocate or start working towards an emergency fund and contextualize what that money means in your life. Don't work to an arbitrary number. So if you don't yet have an emergency fund, bump that goal up to your priority list because the amount that you need in that fund isn't something that I or anyone else can tell you. It is a personal number based on your lifestyle and what is essential to you. 
So for example, my laptop is very, very essential to me to be able to earn a living. So I need at least enough to get that laptop fixed or replaced in my emergency fund to cover that. For you, your laptop might be nothing more than a vehicle for Netflix and you could, you know, borrow your partners or your brothers or whatever, and that wouldn't be an issue for you. However, you might drive for work and so your car might be really important to you. For us, our car is less essential because we take public transport to work. And if we didn't have a car for a few days, even a few months, we'd pretty much be okay. Wouldn't be ideal, but it's not like essential for us to live our lives. So I allocate less weighting to that than I would if I drove to work or if I needed my car to get around for some reason. So if you are embarking on saving for an emergency fund this year, list out the things that you need most essentially in your life and also the types of expenses that you find yourself feeling very anxious about because those ones are the ones to cover off in your emergency fund because obviously logically an emergency fund makes great sense in terms of protecting yourself against future expenses. But we also want to get the most emotional mileage that we can out of that. And that means using your emergency fund figure and designing it in a way that takes away from the financial worries that keep you up at night. Tip number six is work out what percentage of your income your essential expenses are. So calculate how much your rental mortgage and other essential expenses are as a percentage of your regular income. And that's a great way to keep track of lifestyle creep and get clear on how much space you have between your income and expenses, because that number, I think I've said this before in this mini series, that number is what matters. The amount you earn is irrelevant if you have no space between that number and your expenses. So seeing this number can help you understand what's really possible based on how much space you have. And it can even sort of drive you to strive for more space by spending less and or earning more. And it can be a really good way to track progress because Again, if your numbers are just advancing at the exact same rate, you're never going to have any more financial capacity. But if you're sort of seeing that your number, your percentage number is going down, that means that your space is going up and that might be a greater marker of progress than sort of the more traditional things like your how much is in your savings account or whatever. Now, there's no ideal number here. I think a lot of people throw around various percentages, but realistically, everybody is different. Everyone's circumstances and priorities are different. Living in the city is going to be very different to living in the country. Having kids is going to be very different to not having kids. But think about really how that number makes you feel. And you'll likely get some insight into what types of money goals or habit shifts you might want to pursue in order to change that number to be one that you feel really good about. So monitor how this number changes over time as it's a really great indicator of how your habits are actually transpiring in your financial reality. Tip number seven is to work out how much you'd need to live on if you stripped back all non-essential spending for one week. So sort of like a standard operating procedure for one very, very lean week. Now, obviously your rent and mortgage and bills and that kind of thing are really non-negotiable here. But in terms of your everyday spending and variable expenses like petrol or grocery shopping, set up a plan of action for how you could reasonably live for seven consecutive days spending as little as possible. So write up a shopping list or a meal plan. Uh, Think about how much you need to get around to work. Write down some free activities that you could do with friends over the weekend that would replace your usual like wine fueled dinner or whatever. Now you're probably thinking, why on earth is this bitch telling me to do this? This sounds like hell. (laughs) I'm absolutely not telling you to live like this in any way. But one tip I did learn at university when I was living in a share house with very little money was that I could drastically reduce my essential expenses when I needed to. And this is a really handy trick to pull out in adulthood as well. And I think we often overlook the power of doing this, but it's really handy if you want to either rein in your spending and do a bit of a reset, or if you just need to pump the brakes on your spending and free up a bit of extra cash. There's a lot to be said about having just one lean week every now and again to recalibrate and reset and sort of stepping off the spending hamster wheel of everyday life. But there's 
there's also actual financial cash to be freed up by doing so. And choosing to have that lean week is going to be so much easier if you kind of go, right, I'm going to have a lean week next week. Here's the standard operating procedure that I pulled out earlier. Here's the shopping list that I know I need to only spend $50 and feed myself every day. It's so much easier to decide to do it for strategic reasons. And it comes from a lot more of a positive emotional headspace when you've already planned for it in advance, rather than having to come up with that plan where you're in a heightened state of financial stress, or maybe you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, or you you know you need to do this thing and you want to reap the benefits of this lean week, but you've got to also do the work of working out how you're going to do it. So if you set this plan up in advance, when you know you need a bit of a reset or you need to really pump the brakes on your spending, you just go, I know exactly what to do. I'm starting to do it from tomorrow. Here's my cheat sheet. Here's my shopping list. Here's what I need to do. Here's my free activity that I'll switch to, that I'll switch Friday night's dinner to because I've already planned it. And yeah, watch the magic happen. You could also do this with friends too. If you're in a friend group or whatever, each of you set up your own one and then you can go, hey, anyone fancy a lean week next week? And you can all do it together and keep yourselves accountable and all reap the financial benefits. Yo. Tip number eight is make sure you're maximizing your bank's features or switch to a better bank. More and more digital banks are offering sort of sweet, sweet features to make money easier to manage and help you save more effectively and review your spending more effectively. So it might be time to do an audit of of who you bank with. So head to your bank's website or social channels or your app and check out the features that they offer that you might not know about or that you've sort of seen around, but you're you're not really utilizing. And if you're pretty uninspired by what you find, consider whether it could be time to switch. Now, for me personally, I use a couple of different banks and having transaction roundups and auto save features are a non-negotiable for me because it is so transformative for my just like saving without even noticing. It helps me save so much more and I don't even really notice the impact. So if this is something that you know you're, you're feeling pretty uninspired by your bank or you hear people talking about features that you don't have, shop around for the features that you think are going to actually best align with how you want to manage your money and how you want to feel good about your money. Because sometimes a great user experience actually makes it, well, actually a lot of the time, a great user experience makes it easier and more interesting to manage your money and you can end up with more money at the end. Tip number nine, and you're probably thinking, why didn't she mention this? Tip number nine is check on your interest rates while you're at it. So yes, interest rates on your savings accounts are going to be disgustingly low at the moment. And yes, they are probably lower than inflation. But there are still some okay-ish rates up for grabs if you're with the right bank and you're meeting certain eligibility requirements. For example, sometimes that is making five card transactions or increasing your balance or whatever it is. So shop around for the best rate and make sure you're on the best one you can get, even if it's not a great rate. It's still, you know, still the best that's out there. And make sure that you are meeting the requirements, even if it is 1%. It is better than nothing. And you might also want to sort of give some thought to this sort of concept around your savings not outpacing inflation, because yes, if inflation is 3% and your savings account is at 1%, yes, the experts are correct. The mathematicians are correct. You are losing money year on year. However, that is the rational thing to think. That is rationally true. Your rational brain knows that. What is reasonable for you, though, is to still keep some money that you can pull from, even if it is losing a little bit of money every year because it might be losing mathematical value because of inflation, but it is not losing emotional value and that it gives you the peace of mind that you can pay for your busted tire if it goes. So there is a lot of talk around, you know, if you're saving, you're losing money. And yes, mathematically, it's true. But we all know that we need to have some sort of safety blanket in terms of savings that aren't volatile, that aren't invested, that are just there for when we need them. They are like cold, hard cash in a digital sense. 
if you're sort of thinking, but I shouldn't be saving, everyone says I shouldn't be saving, definitely silence that noise to some extent because it is it is a sort of rational theory rather than an actual reasonable one. And tip number 10 is erase the temptation to spend. So whether that's muting social media accounts and brands that you find tempt you, hitting not interested when you see certain ads for things that can tempt you, you can usually open the menu within social media on a post and say, I don't want to see this for whatever reason. Um, you can unsubscribe from marketing emails, delete Uber Eats off of your phone or delivery or whatever your kryptonite is. Doing that is one of the best things I ever did. And another hot tip, you can also block e-commerce sites that you perhaps find yourself procrasty shopping on. You can do this by installing a Chrome extension called Website Blocker, and that minimizes sort of your engagement with things that tempt you to trade progress for possessions, and at least for a little while. <laughs> and that can help you strengthen that muscle and wean your mind off of that spending dopamine hit that you might have found yourself reaching for a little bit more, particularly if you spent a lot of 2021 in lockdown like we did. So I will round out with a hot bonus tip number 11. For anyone who still dips their toe or their whole leg <laughs> into the buy now, pay later arena, consider closing or pausing your accounts at least for a little while, particularly while you know we're in this state of a financial refresh, you're listening to these mini series, give yourself a bit of breathing room and some time away from the buy now, pay later temptation. Because if you are embarking on, you know, either tightening up your financial habits or taking on a full financial transformation, your buy now, pay later habits probably have very little place in that plan, at least for the short term. Now, that's not to say you can never use buy now, pay later responsibly. You absolutely can. But the best thing to do if you are trying to sort of overhaul where you're at with money or your spending habits is to sort of strip everything right back and take away those sort of optional add-ons and then adding it back in when you feel that you can. And you're going to feel a lot more confident with it if you have actually successfully sort of taken yourself out of that situation and taken that method of payment away from your sort of option set. And when you come back to it, you're going to be all the more conscious for it. And bonus tip number 12 is coming in hot from the wonderful sponsor of the Get Your Head in the Game miniseries, Pocketsmith. Our friends at Pocketsmith want to help us amplify our financial productivity and organisation, particularly when it comes to storing handy household documents like receipts and warranties. So they've gone and made it a feature of their personal finance software. You can store handy documents all within Pocketsmith and attach snaps of receipts, warranties and purchase notes to your transactions as and when they come in. It's super handy for keeping track of all the admin for a wedding or a home renovation or managing a side business or an Airbnb. Plus, there's no more wishing you'd been bothered to save that appliance warranty when it starts glitching out. This handy hack saves you time, stress and money by making sure that you're on top of your rights as a consumer with the documents you need to reach for when things go wrong. Head to pocketsmith.com forward slash the broke generation to get 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. Plus, check out the link in the show notes for more ways to use Pocketsmith's household documents feature. And that is all for the Get Your Head in the Game mini series. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this valuable in kickstarting your new pursuit of financial progress, whatever that looks like for you. I designed this mini series to be something that you can come back to time and time again, anytime you need a bit of a boost or to get your head back in the game after you've fallen off the wagon a little bit or fallen so far off the wagon that it's dragging you along behind it. I've been there. In fact, I think I'm there right now. I think we've all been there. So whenever you need a refresh, you can come back to the Get Your Head in the Game mini series. The podcast will be back to regular programming from next Thursday, the 13th of January with weekly episodes that are a mix of solo and guest episodes. And there are some really great conversations coming. Don't forget my Feel Good Finance Guide and Workbook is now available on my website and the launch price will end on January 31st. So grab a copy now if you are interested. It is packed with tons 
tons of ways to understand your financial values and just feel good about spending and saving and where your money is actually at. Because as I always say, when you feel better about money, you can be better with money. I'll pop all the links to that in the show notes if you're interested. And thank you so much for your support always. And here is to a fucking great 2022. At least I hope so. (laughs) Have a great start to the year, everybody. And thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.